All right. My name is Trent Russell. This is the audit room on Clubhouse. I'm the co-host and moderator. I'm also the host of the audit podcast and founder of Green Skies Analytics. Uh, we are the go-to source for all things analytics within the internal audit world. Today, we were joined by Summer Jung, and we were talking about building a high-performing audit team. Summer, you want to do a brief intro, and then we'll jump into it? Absolutely. So hello, everyone. Uh, this is Summer. I am the head of audit for Allianz Global Corporate Specialty. I am based in the U.S. I have been in the internal audit space for the financial service firm for, for about 12 years. And I think along the time, you know, when I took over an audit team, the question around how do I build a team? How do I inspire the team and how do I make audit as a potential area that other business units in the corporate should come in and look for talents. This is really a topic to my heart. I've tried a couple of things and I'm more than happy to join uh, to share that with all of you and also hear your perspectives. And I hope this can be as interactive as possible. Thanks, Welcome Jennifer. to the clubhouse. Thank you. Thank you. And just real quick on that interactivity. If you look in the bottom right-hand corner, for those that may be new, uh, you'll see a little hand raised. If you push that button, it'll let me know that you have a question or a comment for Summer, and then we can bring you up on the stage here. Um, we ask that you do stay on mute until um, I kind of kick it to you for your question or comment, um, and then you can ask your question. So, Summer, I know you've had some uh, success in this area as far as developing a high-performing team. So I want to ask you, uh, how would you define a high-performing internal audit team? Oh, that is a good question. And I think I'm still looking for the exact answer to that. Now, in my view, I think there are a couple elements. Let me start with, and I think to answer this question, I want to take a moment and talk about who are the stakeholders for any internal audit team because I think our stakeholders essentially drives how do we deliver the service. Now, if you think about an internal audit team, we actually have 360 degree of stakeholders. We have our business units, our clients, or you maybe we call them auditee. Uh, that's one huge chunk of our stakeholders. But we also have regulators. We have, in our case, we also have a group audit community that is our headquarter sitting in Munich. Uh, we have you know audit committee, management committee, risk committee, you name it. So we have a 360 degree of clients. Now, how do I define the high performing? I think it comes down to how do I interact with all of those stakeholders? And from our stakeholders, their perception of my team is this audit team understands the business and can recommend reasonable solutions so that the business can improve their process efficiency on an ongoing basis. So to me, that's a huge element of a high-performing team. Two, I would say, is our team's engagement. And I wanted to use a simple term. Are they happy on this team? I, I would actually describe that as one of the um, element of how do I define high-performing team. I don't think any team would be high-performing unless each of the team member is actually highly engaged. Otherwise, 
is the team cannot be highly engaged. Three is the third element I would say is really, as I kind of alluded earlier, is what is the, the standing of an internal audit team when we take that into consideration of the firm. Audit is actually just part of the firm. And typically, we are a smaller part of the firm. If you look at the department size, the FTE size, you name it. Would any other department potentially consider internal audit to be a pool of talents? And would they borrow the talents from internal audit team? Can I become that machine so that I can rotate in and rotate out the talents for the business units. And if I could somehow make that happen indirectly, I would assume that my team is high performing, if that makes sense. So I think from three elements, our clients' feedback, their perception, our team's own engagement level, and also the kind of the traffic uh, and talent rotation within the firm is how I would define our performance of the team. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I know we've seen studies that say a high, highly engaged team <clears throat> or, or maybe a, a happy uh, team member usually is more productive, which I think makes a ton of sense on a, a lot of the different levels of which most I don't <laughs> understand, especially when it comes to the psychology. But I think happy equals good is, a, is an easy way to summarize that. And uh, I appreciate your perspective on stakeholders. I know I've seen arguments might be a, a bad way to put it, but discussion around, well, who are the real stakeholders? I think the way you addressed that was uh, was really fantastic. And that's, I, I know you've done this rotation of, of bringing people into audit and out of audit uh, from, from uh, the business side. What's the, how do you identify those folks or what, what are some steps that we can take to do that and what kind of success have you seen with that? Yeah. Um, you know, I think we, we certainly kind of pioneer, not even pioneer, I would just use the word piloted, a program that we try to rotate in the talents from our business units and then rotate them out after two, three years. And I want to touch on the topic of the composition of other team. And, you know, why are we doing that? In the industry, you will always hear that, you know, if someone asks you, so what's your mission of an internal audit department? Most of the audit executives or manager will say, well, my mission is to build a team that we can add value to the business. Well, then the core question comes down to what does it even mean and how? And this actually, this question essentially triggered our pilot of hiring business talents from the business. Because if you think about auditor as a profession by design, if we're a career auditor, in theory, we would be an expert in processes, controls, governance, framework, you name it, end-to-end, handoffs, those are excellent, and we need to have that. But auditors by design, we would not naturally know every single detail of uh, how a business runs. So then our recommendations sometimes tend to be more generic. If we really want to add value, my view is that then we need to borrow the, the actual experts from our business to complement our audit skill set. So that's the concept behind it. Now, how did we go about it? There isn't, at least for now, in Allianz, um, 
hasn't been any official program or HR program that would have facilitated this. This comes more from the informal networking and almost in a peer-to-peer networking, if that makes sense. I, I'll share you with a story. The first business expert that I hired, this person coming in from our uh, underwriting pricing department. He used to work at the reserving uh, from our CFO area, and then he went on the underwriting pricing. At the time, my first need to hire business expert is actually someone with the knowledge in the actuarial or reserving or pricing area because auditors by design we are not i am not actuary so i can't understand every single detail behind the entire reserving value chain so to hire this person i literally did you know the the peer-to-peer network i asked the friends that i know in the organization to spread the words for me i actually essentially got to this candidate through a mutual I would call corporate friend. So that's how we started. Now, we build up on the the success story by sharing almost every single opportunity that I have in the organization when I can market for internal audit because internal audit can actually provide a huge, huge um, platform for someone who wants to understand more enterprise level of how things work and for someone who really wanted to have a governance view on how things work before we ship them back to the business. We have built on three success stories. I rotated in one person from pricing, one person from operations, one person from underwriting. And I think that those additional add-on to our team really really give us the technical know-how to a more in-depth level in turn we can prove to our clients how can we add value but the success story doesn't stop as we got them in because as a leader i also have to think about then what what is their next step not everyone is born as an auditor and not everyone wants to be a leader in audit and that's okay so what is their exit strategy and that's one thing actually i even think more compared to how i got them um and and again the answer to that is is again there isn't any formal rotational program you name it it really comes down to uh we we network we get our words out i push um, for the right candidate into the right job in the organization. Now, we had one success case. So the person I got in from underwriting pricing essentially went back to uh, underwriting and become an underwriter, actually. Uh, so that's one success story of our rotation in, our rotation out. Uh, we are still working on, you know, that, you know, continuously for the rest of the talents that we have on the team. I think this is more of a grassroots efforts you know to to summarize i don't think you know the organization is mature enough to actually really have a framework on it but the groups the grassroots efforts do pay off quite a bit and i'm very excited for our current efforts in this space because now we have about 50 percent 50 percent composition of the audit team meaning 50 percent coming from business 50 percent our career auditors Wow, what's what's the the numbers on that look like? The fifty percent is. So we have, uh, so in the U.S. we have six um, team members. So three of them we rotate in from the business. 
they are not auditors in their background. They were just, they're just not auditors. The three, the rest of the three, they are actually auditors by design. Okay. And I was talking, someone had asked me earlier if we, maybe even a couple weeks ago, if someone comes on that could be able to speak to this question, they are, and it sounds like you might be uh, a pretty good fit for answering this. Theirs was more with their internship program. And so it mm -hmm. seems like it would be similar in that you have these folks coming from the business that don't understand mm -hmm. audit. Interns coming in um, probably don't have, obviously, a background in audit or they wouldn't be an intern. But how, how are you able to teach them audit? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, that's a... That, that's a a challenge, but also um, it can be rewarding if we do this right. Now, I've, uh, first of all, I think it's a team effort. Onboard a business person without audit background. This onboarding, in my view, is not enough if only I am coaching this new joiner because the audit is run on the engagement level. The new joiner, the, these business experts, you know, they work more together with their peers more than they work with me on any given day. So to me, I always encourage a team efforts so that whoever is on my team, whoever the, the business experts are working with, I encourage all of them to provide hands-on coaching on a daily basis so that we can somehow get the audit rhythm embedded in their head uh, almost on an ongoing basis. So to me, I think that the number one success factor is really about as a team, we are bringing the business experts and we teach them audit aspects, not just from their manager because the manager's time and efforts is unlimited for any given day. So that's one thing. The second element is uh, it comes down to, in my view, also the ongoing coach on judgment judgment now internal audit i think as a profession one critical success factor is their ability to make professional judgment given what they know within a short period of time what how can they draw certain conclusion and this is the so the professional judgment is really to me is really one of the key elements of a great internal auditor sometimes when we borrow the when we rotate the business experts they tend to be really really detailed in a single topic because if you think about their the nature of their job they are they are used to be looking at every single detail because they have to make a decision they have to execute. that's not audit is all about audit has to be ready and the comfort to make a decision when sometimes the information is not even all complete or not even all in depth. So I think the ability to be comfortable with, you know, less than perfect information, to be comfortable, to be comfortable of making a judgment call based on information you get is the, the greatest challenge, I believe, when I coach the business expert into audit role. But I do believe that comes through the daily coach. And I think as time, time goes on, they will get the balance between risk and control. They will get the balance of what is a governance function versus what is a business function. Now, the third element is obviously... And, 
it's it's more it's also in the training category but i think audit as a profession there is absolute you know audit methodologies um how do we do audit what is the best practice you know how do we uh, document a work paper all of these are actually true skill sets that any auditor needs to be proficient at for all of the business experts we rotate in, I do absolutely pay a lot of attention to their professional skill set training. Either I send them to the IAA, either I send them to a classroom training, but I think it's very important for them to get the classroom training on what audit is. What are the basic skill sets for an auditor? What is the pitfalls? What is best practice? Then I, you know, we top on that through the ongoing coaching, essentially to get them to certain to a level that I think we can all work with. Um, I don't think it's reasonable to expect that the business experts will be, I would say, you know, a hundred percent same as a career auditor i don't think so and i think this is what the diversity is about yeah. that how can i encourage each of them to perform at their best but i don't have to hold them against absolute the same standards if that makes sense yeah i think the professional judgment something that stuck out to me it's what i've always thought was a big separator between audit and non-audit folks is being able to apply that judgment um, I know in my my glory days as an external auditor, when I first started, I would just document something and say, based on auditor judgment, this is an issue or not, or it wasn't an issue. And they said, well, eventually they said, you kind of have to expand on what that judgment is. Right. Um, and a lot of times, I think the way I ended up developing it was I would always ask, is this an issue? You know, like I'm testing the control, I'd find something and I'd go, is this an issue? And, and the senior or the uh, manager, whoever would say, what's the risk? And that just became almost like a running joke was, what's the risk? What's the risk? What's the risk? And through that is how I, I was able to develop my uh, professional judgment. What do you think about that? Right. Absolutely. That, Absolutely. Okay. Well, and, and so you talked about you have this rotation of people coming in. 50% uh, of the team is uh, from business side, 50% is internal audit. When someone leaves that's on rotation, are, do you just replace whatever their kind of skill set within the business was, or is there a way to retain the knowledge and expertise that they brought to the group? Yeah, yeah, no, that's an excellent question. And I think that's an area that we wanted to, we should actually do more. Um, in, in theory, my goal is actually to, through this business rotation, right? My goal is to actually reach the bar as a whole so that everyone benefits from the business expertise that we are actually, I would like to use the word temporarily borrowing from our firm. Mm -hmm. Now, if, you, if I take reserving as an example, I don't expect all of us, myself included, to be at the level that the actuarial understand reserving and we don't need to be at that level but can we all upskill ourselves to the next level as an auditor by understanding a bit more a bit more in depth of the key risks embedded in a reserving process so that was always my goal is to by leveraging those talents can i upskill my team 
as a whole. So that gradually, like uh, step by step, I could upscale all of us to the next level. So that was always my goal. Now, whether or not we, we have done that so successfully, meaning did I really see that, you know, we are upscaling as, as, as fast as I want, or did we retain the knowledge or the, the expertise as much as I want? Um, I think that's an area I, I, I do believe I could improve. Meaning, as time goes on, and, and sometimes maybe it's just because, you know, the workload is too high, but there's no excuse for that. As time goes on, I, I don't think I kind of facilitated enough so that we can learn or we can have the business experts to coach the rest of the team so that there's a knowledge transfer. I don't think we have done that enough. We're trying to do more as we speak. So that's one thing. I My goal is to actually retain the knowledge as much as I can to upscale the rest of the team. Now to your other part of the question, do I replace once they leave You know, on the same, um, same skill set? Absolutely. And I think this comes back to one of my hiring philosophy is I always believe I should hire someone who meets with the skill set gap that I'm trying to fill. So if a person who came in as a business expert, this person has a special skill set in certain areas, and this person has moved on to another business unit, in my view, I would have replaced with someone who has the same skill sets or more or less because the gap was always there i'm still trying to fill that gap and then obviously that means typically it will mean another business expert came in and do that job and i should give you a perfect example so the person i talked about who came in from the pricing from underwriting this person left in january uh, to join another team in the organization essentially i hired another actuary outside to come in and replace this position. So I would always replace with the mind to find the right, the, the same level of skill sets. But in the meanwhile, I wanted to do more to retain the knowledge. Otherwise, my auditors will never, no, will never, but they can't upskill as fast as I want them to. Right. I think that's fantastic. It's a, a great approach. We talk about innovation and audit all the time. And I think a lot of times we usually point to tech when it comes to being innovative. But something like this, I think, is is very innovative to get the deep competencies uh, of the business side, especially when we're talking actuarial and things of that nature. So um, I definitely learned something. I'm sure the rest of the audience uh, did also. Uh, we're up against time. Summer, I'll let you, uh, if you have any any closing thoughts, um, I'll let you take the stage and, and leave the audience with those. Okay, well, thank you. Thank you, Trent. And obviously, thank you for allowing it to give me the platform to share my view on it and to all the audience. I think, you know, to, to how to build a best a, a, a best performing team for audit is a topic into my heart for a couple of years, you know, ever since I became uh, a leader in this space. I always thought being an effective leader in internal audit is not the most easy job to do because internal audit as a function in the organization, we like it or not, it is a challenging team to be in, which is the nature of our job. Now to lead an audit, to somehow 
encourage, inspire, recruit, and retain a best performing team for internal audit, and somehow to help this team performing in a way so that they can be perceived from other departments as a talent pool. It is no easy task, but I think you know in Allianz we have tried different things. It was it's working quite well so far. There is much more lessons to learn, and I look forward to hearing from some of the audience offline or online. You can find me on LinkedIn, but、uh, I would be very thrilled to hear your view, your suggestion, your advice to me, or just have a conversation、uh, with some of you. That would be very appreciated. And thank you, Trent, for inviting me. That was a great half hour spent. Yeah, and thank you for、uh, offering up your time. In addition to this, for those that want to talk about it and talk lessons learned or what they're doing or, or you know kind of get their thoughts. So,、um, this is the audit room on Clubhouse. We meet live every Tuesday at eleven Central Standard Time. That's eleven Chicago time,、uh, and we'll be back next week, of course.、Uh, thank you, everyone in the audience, and especially Summer. Thank you very much. That was very insightful. Thank you, Chad, and goodbye, everyone. Have a good day. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye bye.